Shall we uh, pray together as we look at this wonderful passage? Lord God, thank you for um, Paul, for his love for you, his desire to <clears throat> share his faith and build your kingdom wherever he went. And thank you that um, this community, this Philippian community that we get to um, discover more about over the next few weeks was a community that loved you, lived out their faith and shared it with those around them. Lord, we want to pray that we would learn from them so that we might also become the good and beautiful community that you call us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I guess all of us have had those experiences of reflecting on the friendships that we've had down the years. Um, actually, recently, it's become quite important to work out who are your closest friends and who are perhaps friends that have um, disappeared over the times. Because um, these days when there are big celebrations coming on, I know you guys are planning a wedding, um, how you work out who you're going to invite, why you're going to invite them, how you can get that 30 or whatever it is, 15, then it was 30, then it may be however many, um, trying to work out who you can have at these special occasions. Um, I've been w w watching my children grow up and um, my youngest is eight. And it's interesting to see how their friendships and why their friendships form over time. To begin with, perhaps I'll just be drawn together with someone who likes the same things as them. Maybe they play the same games, enjoy the same toys. Um, often when it's very little, it's because the, the parents get on and those are the friends that you'll have. It just happens to be that mum and mum get on very well together or dad and dad get on very well together and you're friends whether you like it or not. Over time, of course, um, you develop different friendships, friendships where you really do um, live life together, maybe at university or when you work together closely, um, maybe live together side by side. Um, but the friendships that I think are really the deepest are ones that you do life together, share life together, and you share a sense of common purpose and values, uh, where you don't just happen to sort of live proximate to each other, but actually you share something deeper about why you live and the way you live and the values you want to live by. And those, those friendships um, uh, last a lifetime. You know, you live life together and you uh, build a deep bond. I can think of a couple of close friends like that of mine, a friend called John, who was a missionary at my previous church. He and his family had come from America, and we just did life together. We shared family life together. Our kids were similar ages. We um, went on, uh, did mission stuff together. We did um, holiday clubs together. Um, we shared life. We shared purpose. We, we were in the trenches together for God. Another friend, Tim, who I grew up with, who is in my youth group, and um, we grew up together. We prayed together. We became Christians um, at a similar time. We urged each other on in our faith at a time when it's very hard to stay as a Christian, and we stayed in touch, and now we're godparents to each other's uh, kids, and we continue to rejoice as we see God working uh, in each other's lives. Having that sense of shared purpose, and maybe slightly flippantly, perhaps that's what attracts us to this current version of the England team. They're not just a group of um, highly paid players who seem to try and play well on their own, but don't play well together. There seems to be a shared purpose uh, that they are uh, for each other. They're alongside each other. They even support each other's causes when Marcus Rashford was campaigning against uh, government cuts to hungry children. Lots of his teammates got involved when a few of the players were really um, pained by racial injustice and the team together decided we're going to make a stand against this and we're going to together take the knee before <clears throat> each match. 
a sense that they're not just doing a job together, but they're sharing in their vision, in their mission, and in their values. And that's the sort of community that was Philippians to Paul. It was a church community that was not just people who he knew. It wasn't just a church he'd founded. Um, It wasn't just um, a church he hoped would continue to go well, but it was a community of people that he lived life with, that he'd grown together, that he shared a common purpose with. And they were, as he describes it, partners in the gospel. And that word partners um, is a word that means, um, uh, a word that can also mean fellowship. Uh, There were a group of people who shared fellowship, deep life together um, as a church. And as we look at the book of Philippians over these next few weeks through July and August, as part of our Good and Beautiful Community series, we see this church that uh, Paul held very, very deeply. We need to remember that this letter was not written to a church that, where everything was going swimmingly. Um, maybe you have felt, as we've all of us felt, it's been hard and tough to be a church community this last year. It's been probably hard and tough in your work lives and family lives um, as we've journeyed through this pandemic. Paul writes to the Philippians, and it had been tough for the Philippians. Uh, Paul had had to escape from the city because he was at risk of being persecuted straight after the, uh, he planted the church. You can read about that in Acts 16, a really dramatic um, story of a church being formed. Um, a rich woman called Lydia comes to faith just by a conversation with Paul at a river. A slave girl sets, is set free um, by the power of the Holy Spirit with an amazing miracle. And a jailer is, uh, and his family are brought to faith um, because of an earthquake um, and seeing Paul praise God in the midst of his persecution. And so this church community, um, male, female, rich, poor, somewhere in the middle, this is a, a diverse church community. And then Paul had suddenly been taken away from them. And so they had to keep on going on their own, really, um, in a city where no one wanted to be Christians, in a city where it's quite um, disadvantageous to make a step of faith, where all the community around didn't want them uh, to exist, really. So Paul is writing this letter to a church that's having to really struggle and fight for its faith. Maybe we felt like that this year. But Paul is in an even more difficult situation. Paul is actually in prison. He's been um, persecuted and prosecuted for his faith. And he's probably going to stand trial in a few days' time. And basically, if he's found guilty, he'll be executed. Um, So his life's in the balance. Now, I don't know how you'd feel if you were in that situation, in prison, persecuted for your faith, writing to another community that was going through tough times. But I wonder if you would write this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Would that be your feeling Um, as you were locked up and in chains and speaking to a fragile Christian community? And yet he feels this because they were partners in the gospel. Um, He really cherished this community because there were deep friendships, deep fellowships. And the best example I've heard of describing the word fellowships is just a load of fellows on a ship together in the storms um, for God. They shared deep fellowship. So what can we learn from Paul in prison praying to this community that's being persecuted? What can we learn of what it is to be the good and beautiful community in times of difficulty? Well, firstly, the challenge is let's be thankful. Let's really be thankful. Even with the chains on, Paul could thank God every time he remembered this community. 
I always pray with joy, always in all of my prayers. I mean, you don't get more comprehensive than that. I mean, how many times can you put all in a sentence? I always pray all the time with joy when I'm always praying for you. He really was thankful for these Philippians. Who makes you feel thankful for your faith? Who makes you feel thankful for your life? Have you told them that you feel thankful for them? Paul felt this way because they weren't just workers that had done stuff together and you know, ticked off the box and clicked their time cards. Well, you don't really do that anymore, do you? But um, they were fellows on a ship together. Um, I think it's really important that as a church, we remember that the church is not meant to be a cruise ship for the committed, that we sort of come along, we just enjoy the worship, we enjoy the, the preaching, hopefully, um, and we kind of enjoy going to the cafe from time to time. It's not a cruise ship where we just want to enjoy going in from time to time when we've got a bit of time. It's a lifeboat for the lost. And we're all part of the lifeboat crew. And we're all needed to look out for each other, help each other, spur each other on, and look out for others who are lost and struggling and drowning in the sea of life. That's what we're called to do. This community experienced the gospel together. They lived the gospel together and they shared the gospel together. This is a faith-sharing community. And I just want to encourage you to think, who are the people who keep you going in your faith, who you're thankful for? And could you this week just tell them? Perhaps you were a parent who really enjoyed the um, all groups opening up Sunday last week at the kids' church and the youth groups. Why don't you thank the leaders who made that happen? Maybe you're someone who's in a pastorate and your pastoral leaders have um, gone not just the extra mile, but the extra marathon uh, to serve you and bless you and build you up over this time during the pandemic. Have you thanked them? Perhaps the people who you check in with when things are really difficult, you say, could you pray? I'm in a difficult time. Do you thank them for what they've meant to you and done for you? Paul was thankful for these partners in the gospel and he told them. So let's be a thankful community. Secondly, um, let's remember that we are called to be supporters of one another. Um, And that doesn't mean like the England supporters tonight, where they'll be at a safe distance in the crowd, shouting and screaming, not booing, I hope, um, cheering along their team, uh, but from a distance. Now, this sense of being um, co-workers, of partners, of sharing in God's grace, as Paul um, calls it in um, verse 7, says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, because all of you share in God's grace with me. And uh, that's, if you like, a further description of this word, koinonia, fellowship. Um, It's about knowing that you share life in God together, but also you share in the trenches about what it means to be a Christian. You spur each other on, you keep each other going, but you stand in the trenches, you fight alongside. Not sharing support from a distance, but really think, how can I stand with this person in their faith? How can I uh, hold up this person as they're struggling? How can they help me in the things that I want to do and I want to step up in? Who can I be accountable for, for the things that I'm struggling in? Or I've got a big meeting coming up and I know it's going to be a challenge to be really truthful and not twist the figures and sort of blag a bit to try and make myself feel better than I really am. How can you have people who you stand with and support and hold each other up, that you share um, supporting uh, faith life together? I just think at the moment there's uh, 
some things I'd love to see happen in my life. And so I need to check in with my friends, John and Tim, and say, do you know what? There's this thing coming up. It's going to be hard work. It's going to take a lot out of me. It's going to be emotionally challenging. Could you stand with me? Could you pray with me? Could you support me? And I know they would ask me the same thing, that we're not just cheering on from the sidelines, but standing in the trenches. And, you know, as we begin to open up, as we begin to um, have more opportunities to do life together, uh, have worship life together and reach out together, I wonder if you could start checking in with people saying, you know what, I've heard that this Archbishop's mission is coming up in September. What a great opportunity to invite a few friends to hear the Archbishop of Canterbury share how he came to faith from an atheist background, um, to share his hopes for the country, um, and he's got leadership of the worldwide Anglican community. What a great opportunity to hear someone. I'm going to pray for three people who I can invite to that mission. But could you stand with me? Could you pray for me that I have opportunities? And I've got some friends who I'm going to check in with some people in this church and say, could you pray for me? But also, if you hang out with those friends, could you just um, invite them and say, hey, it'd be great if you came along to this mission. Or maybe Alpha, you've got people you'd love to invite on Alpha at their next course in September that you can be praying for now and you can sort of almost have a little um, prayer team support saying, we're going we're gonna to pray for this person. We're going to pray that God uh, it gets on their case and we're going to pray there's opportunities uh, to share the good news that changed our life. We're all part of the Lifeboat crew for the lost. And I wonder what your part is. You know, we don't all have to be those who are totally confident at standing up like the Archbishop of Canterbury, sharing our faith in a really kind of intellectually rigorous, but, um, you know, emotionally compelling way. We don't all have to be the next Billy Graham. We don't all have to have a story of amazing um, conversion from a life of drugs running in Colombia, and now we were saved, and now we're sort of um, committed Christians in Woking. Although if you have that story, please do tell me because that sounds fantastic. I'd really love to hear it. We just need to have a faith which is living and active and we want to tell people about. Just good news that we want to share. Some of us are sharers. We like sharing our faith. We find that fun and enjoyable and not too difficult. Some of us are servers. We're the sort of people who share our faith by going around to the person next door and um, uh, baking brownies and saying, it's really good you've moved into the area. Um, uh, you know, we go to this church down the road and we were hearing about blessing our neighbours and this is what we'd like to do. Some of us are prayers who will pray for opportunities to reach out. Some of us are listeners. Some of us are inviters. We're not very good at sharing our story, but we say, oh, come and hear, hear the Archbishop of Canterbury in September. We, he's, he's got a great story to share. You might be sharers, servers, prayers, listeners, inviters, but we're all part of the Life Broke crew for the lost. So Paul rejoiced with the Philippians. He was thankful for them. They were also shared supporters together. He needed them as much as they needed him. He was reliant on them to keep this church in Philippi going. He needed their gifts and their faith and their hope and their confidence in God. But also he was supported. They sent gifts to him in prison. Uh, they sent friends to come and uh, spur him on. Um, it's likely they were also probably there at the trial that was going to take place in a few days' time. Um, and it's probably likely that this was a trial where Paul actually um, was set free. It's probably the trial which led to him being under house arrest in Rome. Um, and so his prayers were answered. Um, this community was able to then continue to serve God together. 
but they were shared supporters. And finally, they were fellow travelers on the journey. He was thankful for their partnership. They shared support, but they were also fellow travelers on the journey. This wasn't just a group of people who kept the show on the road, kept the mission going, kept the activities running, but their own faith was sort of disappearing and getting dry and, you know, they lost their own excitement in their faith. They were still fired up for the gospel. I thank you, he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. All of you share in God's grace with me. This means they were still living the life of grace. They were still on the journey. They hadn't checked out or logged out of the life of faith. And that's so important that we can pray this for one another, that we pray not only that we can do life together and see God do great things together, but that we'll finish the race together, that we'll pray that we'll just keep on going. Paul was confident of completion. I have a couple of friends who are um, trying to buy a house and uh, being confident of completion is something they're really struggling in because the house sale has fallen through three times. And... um, Uh, Just hearing them a few weeks ago saying, but this time we're confident of completion. We've got a date. We know it's going to happen. We're going to pick up the keys on Friday. And they were confident of completion and it completed. And that was the confidence that Paul had for the Philippian community. I'm confident that you're going to complete the race. I'm confident that you're going to keep going till the very end. Isn't it wonderful when we um, share life with these people who support us and we share fellowship together and we share in mission together And we know that they're going to still be with us in the race in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time or however long we've got. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. The Philippian community were still looking up in their worship, around with compassion on those who were in need. And they looked into their life that they would still grow in faith, that God was still working. And I think that's something we do need to pray for one another. You know, in a church which I'm sure we'd love to do more and we'd love to get busier and we'd love to get more active for God, you know, we need to be very careful that the work of God through us doesn't kill the work of God in us. And I think it's always a danger for those of us who love to be on mission, love to do things, just to make sure that the work of God through us, the things we're doing for God, doesn't kill the work of God in us that we know that we're here to run the race with Jesus, not just for Jesus, and finish the race. Are you going to be one who can be confident of completion and confident that you'll finish the race and will run alongside people who you will spur on and keep going through the race of life? I'd love us to become more this community that uh, Paul was describing in Philippi, a thankful community, thankful for one another, a community that spurs each other on, supports each other in both prayerful but also practical ways, and a church that's committed to keeping each other going and continuing to live the life until we complete the race. But the reality is these days when uh, many people don't know about Christianity, when many people don't um, see faith lived out very positively, our faithful um, life of faith may be the only gospel people will see and read. And people can't see physically Jesus in the flesh like they could in the first century. But the church is the body of Christ. And when we live out the life of the kingdom, when we live out our faith um, 
faithfully, full of God's spirit, um, living out our love for God as well as sharing our love for God, then we are the body of Christ. People can see a physical representation of Jesus, his hands and his feet on earth, doing the work he's called us to. People can read the gospel in our lives and people can see Jesus in the life of this good and beautiful community. So let's be committed today to being that faith-sharing community, that we will pray together, that we will play together, have fun together, that we'll support each other, that we'll be committed to being every person a member of this crew on the lifeboat for the lost. Because this is an adventure that'll be hard work, but we will build friendships, koinonia, fellowship, and partnership together. And we can spur each other on to finish the race. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this good and beautiful community. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that I've had to be part of communities in Twickenham and Earls Court and Woking, uh, of a family of believers who live out their faith, share their faith, and keep each other going. And Lord, we just want to be thankful today for all those who've spurred us on. We want to be supporters. We want to be committed to serving you together. But also we are committed to you to allow your work to continue to grow in us. So we continue to run the race. And we know that your work in us will be completed if we allow you to. If we just keep in step and cooperate with your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we know you'll bring that work to completion at the day when we meet you. So Lord, we want to pray. Fill us with your spirit. Spur us on. And Lord, let's keep running for you, the life of faith. Amen.